Hello, and welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I am Carl Christensen, joined tonight by Tim C's Get Degrees Cox. I give that insult a B minus, which gets a degree, actually. Also gets a degree, that's correct, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of C's Get Degrees, uh, we're going to be talking about grades tonight. Specifically, the basics of grades or grading. Actually, not entirely sure how I'm going to what I'm going to label the podcast, but it's going to be one of those two. Um, but we're going to talk about kind of at a high level whether or not grades are important, and what they reflect, and how they reflect it, how predictive they are of, say, intelligence or future success. Um, where I've got ten keys to um, better grades. And then we're going to kind of summarize uh, just what you should take um, with you from the podcast and ways to um, kind of optimize your, your school experience or educational experience. And some of that has to do with grades and some doesn't. Um, but as you all know, all of our listeners know, Tim uh, is a teacher. But before Tim was a teacher, get this, he was a student. It's true. The rumors are true. <laughs> And despite what I would have you believe, Tim was actually a pretty good student. <laughs> yeah, most uh, of the time. <laughs> um, so, and and despite what I would have you believe as well, I was not a bad student myself. Uh, but I, what I don't have is Tim's perspective going from student to teacher. So uh, I've got some scientific research here, Tim, about grades. But before we get into that, I kind of want to get your perspective on how you how your perspective changed going from student to teacher, what grades, um, what, you know, being the, going from the graded to the grader. And just to, as a thought for everyone, what Carl is modeling here of get Tim's perspective before you listen to science, that's a good way <laughs> to go about things. That, uh, you certainly can't listen to Tim's perspective after science because then it just. <laughs> yeah, it's really jarring. <laughs> and I just want to let everyone know, too, to make this more authentic, uh, I'm actually grading as we speak. Got a stack of tests in front of me. And um, yeah, so it's um, you know, it's actually hard to grade while you're doing a podcast. So I generally slow down a lot. when we. Anyway. <laughs> you just mark every third one wrong, right, Tim? <laughs> That's right. Scribble some little notes that are hard to read and cryptic. Oh, you've, t you've picked up on my dad's style then. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, I'm not quite at the professorial level yet, but, you know, I'm working <laughs> to get there. Then. Yeah, someday, someday. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for, for we've got a lot of kids that listen to us that are in school, Tim, and a number of people in their 20s and 30s that are either reflecting back on, uh, you know, their days as a student or might be teachers themselves. So give us some perspective. What is what is grading like um, as a student and a teacher? Well, I... I probably don't need to hold for too much on the student side since most people will be immediately familiar with that or at least in memory you know you you are if you care about your grades i guess you're you're waiting with some anxiety for results of tests and a semester and so forth <clears throat> and it's a pretty big deal um again i i i know i can speak for a lot of my students who really aren't waiting on the results with too much anticipation because it's not a big deal for them but uh I suppose if you're learning, listening to this podcast, you probably care at least a little bit about that. Um, when you become a teacher, it, it um, changes a bit in that your fate no longer hinges on the grades here that uh, that are being 
put out. And so I'm a little more zen about it. If a student gets an 89% on a test, I don't worry about it near as much as I worried when I was a student getting an 89. So um, I, I have that kind of zen perspective as a teacher, but I guess I should recognize the output. And the Carl, I think you'll talk about is how grades do actually matter. And um, they, they serve a purpose both socially and in other ways societally and can also have a monetary um, outcome. So, the you know, some people say, oh, grades don't matter. But uh, yeah, in fairness, grades do. Grades matter, right. especially when you get into high school. Junior high, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a practice. That's what I tell my kids all the time. I, I have a junior high student uh, as a, my, my oldest daughter and my son is in high school. I always tell my junior high uh, kids, uh, my, my son before and now my daughter, junior high is just practice. Um, try not to fail, but I mean, as long as you're developing good, you know, pra uh, good uh, study practices, it doesn't matter if you get a B because no one has ever in the history of the world asked for someone's middle school, middle school transcript. So. <laughs> Now that that said, and if you if you're working with with junior high school kids, some kids you you want to lead with that. For example, Carl's daughter is talking about she's high achiever, she works hard, and she wants to be successful. So she needs to be you know soothed a bit so that she's not you know over anxiety anxiifying anxiousificating what okay. whatever. She, but uh, some students, I would not lead with that because they are not um, over anxious. And so some students, right. you need to help them remember the reasons why grades do still matter, even in junior high. Um, right. Right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that. So there and there's science to back up the facts that the grades matter. So, like I said, there is a, a Zen middle ground here um, where um, grades matter, but they aren't. Uh, they aren't sufficient reason to be uh, causing yourself, you know, social, uh, social, well, social and and mental and physical harm. So, um, all right, but let's talk about some hard science here. Um, we know that grades, and this, I guess, I want some perspective from Tim on this as well. We're going to dive into a couple studies here, but generally, grades, at least we hope, are a measurement of understanding and effort, right? Some type of amalgamation of, of uh, not just uh, whether or not I understood the material presented, but whether I've put effort into the learning. Um, and then the degree to which it is, uh, the grade is reflective of um, intelligence versus uh, just pure effort kind of depends on the teacher and the subject, at least in my anecdotal experience. Uh, Tim? Absolutely. Yeah, right? we tell ourselves that grades are a measure of learning and uh, student performance, and that is what we tell ourselves. And um, it, you're you're right. There is wild variation in the fidelity of you know great outcomes to actual student learning. A, a good teacher will ideally um, be administering assessments and and putting out grades in, in a way that actually reflects learning. But I, I feel like even a good teacher that's really not 100 percent 
the case. It, it's what it's the simplified story we tell ourselves as a society. But grades are really a pretty complicated measure, um, and and right. grading uh, is is a process that I mentioned before that social function. You know, grades are the the formal procedure we go through to advance. Um, our young people and, and anyone being educated along a path towards the certification of their educational experience, their, their validation in society's eyes as having achieved a certain position, whether that be a graduate, you're kind of an adult now, or whether that be a, you know, a recipient of a degree, you're now an, you're considered an expert of sorts in that field or, or whatever. And so those grades you know, at measuring learning is actually only one function of grades. And, and as of course, this is why, you know, there's constant lamentation. I, I saw recently a, an article about grades at Yale and how 90% of, you know, Yale students are getting A's or something. And how that's kind of, you know, what, what's going on here? And part of it, there's that constant pressure um, to, you know, the, the social you, you know, you don't want to fail someone, you want to advance them. And there's even more pressure in another sense that um, with teachers, your your customers are your students and their parents. And you don't want to make the customer too angry or problems happen. And, and so there's always that pressure towards higher grades and grade inflation. I don't think that necessarily means that grades are bad or useless. But I think we need to recognize and look at grades with a jaundiced eye that they're not just a measure of learning full stop. Sorry, right. that was kind of a little rant, but uh, no, no, that's great. I, yeah, you, you mentioned coming, so <laughs> you mentioned the first study I was going to talk about, and that is um, a study that was done by the U.S. Department of Education uh, or an analysis, I guess. So they took the data that they had and analyzed it in order to come up with meaningful numbers and statistics. Uh, for grade inflation. So um, one of the, the issues that, that if, you're, if you're talking about grades and if you're a parent like I am and you're talking to your kids, uh, are we comparing apples to apples? If, I, if I'm telling my kid, oh, I got a B in that class when I was in middle school, um, is a B now what a B was uh, you know, 20 years ago? And generally the answer is no. So they, based on uh, statistics from the U.S. Uh, uh, National Center for Education and Statistics um, and the U.S. Department of Education, students are taking higher level courses throughout um, their high school in the United States, but they're simultaneously, their GPAs have steadily risen. So in the year 1990, uh, the average uh, GPA was 2.68. In 2000, it was 2.94. In 2009, it was 3.0, and in 2019, it was 3.11. So what we have is the paradoxical increase in GPAs while students are supposedly taking higher-level courses, which would be more demanding. Well, speaking which, as a current teacher, I think that maybe it's just that teachers have gotten better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The the, are the the uh, science of teaching uh, that I wouldn't necessarily dispute, 
that that we are you know that there are people out there intelligent people people with doctorates and people and that are trying to formalize and objectify the ability to you know uh, to relay information in a meaningful way right and and to work with students of, of all different uh, learning you know disabilities and anyway however <laughs> i don't what? think that <laughs> I don't believe that all teachers across the board are somehow now significantly better to the tune of in the in so over 30 years in a grade point average increase of 0.4 more than 0.4 um, on the GPA scale, which for our international listeners goes up to 4.0 usually. And um, and also in uh, on a serious note, I, I think anyone observing the United States educational system over the past you know three or four decades would probably you know, find it hard to believe that uh, it's producing a better product. Right. And so that's that's the next part of this study is. Um, uh, it said on national exams taken at the end of high school, meanwhile, math and reading scores in 2019 were slightly lower than 2009 and unchanged from 2005. So in the last 20 years, our ability to score well on exams that are at least objectively not supposed to have changed a significant amount scores in that aren't changing while our GPA is rising significantly. Um, so grade inflation, um, rising GPAs are not new and have prompted decades of commentators to write, wring their hands at purportedly declining standards in American high schools. Uh, I mean, it'd be hard to argue that there are not to some degree declining standards in American high schools because as a country, our students uh, are falling behind uh, the world measures of, of uh, education. Um, so there is unquestionably some degree of gra uh, grade inflation. But then on the flip side, the question is, is that a bad thing? Um, and so the, it says grade inflation clouds measures of students true knowledge and skills. This means grades may mislead parent, the students, parents and subsequent educators, not to mention potential employers and policymakers about how children in schools are performing. That's obviously the negative side of it, which I see validity in. However, the studies, uh, this analysis also says other experts say inflation is not inherently bad. Higher grades could mean less discouragement from challenging subjects and maybe even greater confidence and persistence to graduation. That was from a Harvard education researcher, Zachary Bleemer. So there are two sides to this coin, this raising JPA coin. Uh, there is the negative side that I've said as, as a correlation between gra uh, grades and test scores, we're losing correlation power. <laughs> um, but we're, what we might be doing is incre uh, increasing the likelihood that we have of students actually, you know, disadvantaged students, students from, uh, otherwise difficult households to act, continue education and to uh, take harder courses even uh, because they're less intimidated by the potential uh, bad effects of, the, of a of a grade. So Tim, any insight into that? Yeah, and I think uh, I appreciate that the, the people in this study are are being careful and thoughtful in how they parse the results. I, I think that's reasonable. We, I, I think to take it in perspective, you know, for decades now, people have been wringing their hands about, you know, education and how what's going on and, you know, all these problems. 
and yet you know our society continues to to function and i think part of that is uh, maybe again losing perspective on what education is and, and what it does um i don't want to downplay the value and importance of math skills and reading skills you know obviously the fact that those are going down um is a is a point for concern so i, I you know that's a, a valid point. That said, I feel like sometimes, and I think educators are a key part of this problem, speaking from inside the world of educators, where we fill ourselves up with this importance that we are, you know, we are the bearers of the torch of culture and we're passing that on to our students. And, and it's what we tell ourselves because nothing else out there tells us that our jobs are important, right? <laughs> our compensation doesn't tell us that. Our esteem in the world doesn't tell us that. Certainly our students aren't telling us that <laughs> for the most part. We get some very nice Christmas cards and that kind of thing. There's some very thoughtful students, but as a, as a whole, we're, we're not getting that message, but we got into education because we believe it's important and it is. But I think sometimes we lose sight of that. that you know what, if um, when kids, get out into the real world and they're lacking the skills because they just weren't motivated or maybe their educational experience wasn't all that great. Well, they're a little unprepared and that's a bummer, but you know what happens? They figure it out. They go and they learn. Um, raise your hand if you learned something on the job that you didn't learn in high school. <laughs> you know, we all did, right? That's the, the world is education. And so Again, not underplaying the value or importance of education and preparing people and, and, and you know, maintaining a, a high standard. But I think some of these problems, when we take them in perspective, it's like a, it's like a stomach ache, not a cancerous appendage, you know. It's, right. it's something that we need to deal with. It's a problem, but it's not an existential crisis. And so right. – when I see stuff like this about great inflation, I say, okay, we, we should probably take a look at that. And some of the problems we're seeing, oh, yeah, people are going to be have an unpleasant surprise um, when they find out their kids aren't as well prepared as they thought they were. Um, in the end, those kids 10 years down the road, they're going to talk about that time where they really got walloped in college and um, had to figure things out and maybe dropped out and maybe got some job training and maybe came back. And, you know, I, I have family members who, um, you know, dropped out of high school. For example, I'm thinking one family member and, you know, went to 10 years and kind of did her own thing and then went back to college and was an A college student and is now a teacher. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just um, sorry, just injecting some perspective, I think, on all right. of this stuff. Uh, so if you are struggling with a student who is maybe not getting good grades, I hope you'll you'll breathe a little bit of relief. Or if you're a student not getting those good grades, I I can think of um, friends that I had in high school where, I, as Carl mentioned, I was a very good student, um, graduated in the, in the high tier of the, my high school and, you know, got a, a scholarship to go to college and, you know, things went very well for me and, and I'm doing fine. I have students who didn't do so, or I have friends, excuse me, who didn't do so well, um, you know, went on to go to medical school or dental school and um, now doing a whole lot better than me by by most measures that are, you know, measurable. <laughs> and um, I, I don't regret having become a teacher. But, you know, if they if their parents were anxious about 
they're underperforming. So you know what? Things worked out. Keep faith in your kid. Um, keep encouraging them. Keep working with them. And keep giving them that motivation. Don't lower your standards. But at the same time, never let them doubt that you care about them and that you have confidence in them in the long run. Um, they'll, uh, they won't forget that. Is it sad that the main thing I took from what you said is most measures that are measurable? That was a really profound statement. I, and, um, I, I can't see any other explanation other than it being deeply profound. Um, no, I, I do think, and, and on the side of the positive side of, of grade inflation, before we talk a little bit about the negative side, is the... Um, the idea that yeah, if you're getting positive positive reinforcement at school, you're more likely to stay in school. And uh, the argument in favor of that, despite you know the downsides of lack of predictive power with testing and exams and whatever else, is that despite all that loss of predictive power, uh, a relatively recent uh, study was showing that a, a study involving 70,000 students uh, found a positive correlation between intelligence and educational achieve achievement. Um, so essentially if uh, it's a, the majority of evidence, if you, uh, it, the majority of evidence indicates that a year of additional education raises intelligence scores by up to five IQ points. Oh, and that's across wait, a large. So, so more education raises your intelligence as measured by these, these measures. Is that what it, that's what it. Right. So the point there being that, um, even if um, I'm I'm getting inflated grades and um, and maybe my my exam scores aren't coming up yet, we are essentially still increasing the overall intelligence of the population by keeping them in school and keeping them motivated to continue education. Because, like it says, a, a year of additional education raises intelligence scores by up to five IQ points. Um, now I. I want to challenge this just I'm, I'm curious because there I think there are question marks we could ask it like what is intelligence and how are we measuring it um, in, in this case it actually defines that yeah it does it, define that it says as, um, okay it says intelligence can be defined by as the ability to learn from experiences and use our knowledge to adapt to new situations in this case it's measuring IQ uh, can calculate it through a test that results in a number based score so essentially your normal IQ scores, and, and parenthetically for our European listeners, this will make you very proud. The average IQ in Europe is 98, nine points higher than the global average. So, Ouch. I know, right? That's why I always feel so dumb when I'm in Europe. <laughs> um, yeah, so it says that although IQ might not always be the best measure of intelligence, a good indication of personal general skill level, and cognitive ability. So as we're raising, as we're uh, keeping them in school, they're getting positive effects, even if those can't immediately be seen in in, in you know, exams. They they are intelligence is measurably increasing, uh, if not uh, in a way that's being measured directly by a math test or something like that. So, and, and um, I like that explanation better than the the shorthand. I, I feel like you know intelligence is a is a. Um, has a lot of baggage, but then explain the staying in school will increase your cognitive skill and ability. That that makes sense to me. That uh, and and it, it's re stands to reason. If I'm in school where I'm being forced to 
um, press uh, to expand my boundaries of what I can understand and think about and, and problem solve and all these things, then I'm going to get better at doing those things. And, you know, I, I don't know if I would say that means I'm more intelligent, but I'm certainly more adept at thinking maybe, but I guess call it what you will. The, the point remains staying in school prepares you better for more things as far as using your, your intelligence to get ahead in the world. Right. Right. All right, let's jump back and talk specifically about grades, because this is more than just education fluffiness. This is specifically for those out there that are getting a C or and want a B, or getting a B and want an A, and how useful is it, how much time should you really input. So before we go on to my 10 tips of ways to get better grades, um, I want to hit one more study here, because I like the hard science. Um, this, says, uh, this is from a study that was this decade, I believe. I don't have the date right here, but... Um, it says intelligent quote intelligence quotient grades and scores on achievement tests are widely used as measures of cognition, but the correlations among them are far from perfect. This paper uses a variety of data sets to show that personality and IQ predict grades and scores on achievement tests. Personality is relatively more important in predicting grades than scores on achievement tests. Hmm. So once again, let's that again. Personality is relatively more important in predicting grades than scores on achievement tests. So people that have high IQ, there's correlation between people with high IQ and grades, but the stronger correlation is between personality and grades. Which um, explains why we got good grades in high school, right? <laughs> sparkling personalities like ours. Who could? It doesn't could say sparkling, Tim. I think it actually uses the word brown noser. So. <laughs> I can um, call it what you will. <laughs> IQ is relatively more important than predicting scores on achievement tests. Personality is generally more predictive than IQ on a variety of important life outcomes. Both grades and achievement tests are substantially better predictors of important life outcomes than IQ. Um, so that one, that's, I guess, the takeaway from the study, and I could read a lot. It was very interesting, but both grades and achievement tests are both better predicting a life outcome than just some IQ test. Um, and so that's the idea that, you know, grades matter, not because they're a just a pure measure of intelligence, because they're not. Uh, they're a measure of uh, personality. They're a measure of effort. And those things correlate highly to, big surprise, life outcomes. If you're going to put a lot of effort into life, you're going to have a better outcome. So, um so while, while you're sitting here thinking about grades and thinking about all the famous rich people that dropped out of school and or maybe didn't get great grades and went on to succeed greatly, that's great. But don't argue the exception for me. Um, you know, sure. I mean, most of us aren't Bill Gates. All right. Um, it turns out that most of us, if we succeed and get, get A's and B's or whatever in school, we're going to have a better chance of success than if we drop out of school and try to invent windows. And and uh, just a, a note when, if that comes to mind for you, re, recall the the bias that is influencing your your perspective, that it's survivorship bias. The when, when we think of that one phenomenal person who dropped out and became a millionaire, that's because that story went big. You, you know, we're, the stories that didn't go big are the thousands and thousands of other dropouts who you know, struggled and encountered all sorts of difficulty because they were 
ill ill positioned to move ahead right. and right. so you know the yeah you, we're not looking at the full picture if we're thinking that way right yeah so I don't mean to discourage anyone that is that is uh, has a big dream that they want to chase. Go for it, but you know, take it with a grain of salt. That that uh, if you think you're Bill Gates, there's like a ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance you're not. So, and if you are Bill Gates listening, would you please give us a <laughs> shout out? And uh, we'll, yeah, we're, we'll open we'll funding a funding round. Yeah, <laughs> a funding round, and to learn it from a layman, just specifically for Bill Gates. You bet. Um, <laughs> By the way, I love Windows, Bill. <laughs> uh, parenthetically, I am a, a Microsoft programmer. It's what I've done pretty much my whole career. So, Bill, we are kindred spirits. Um, okay. Or not. Uh, Wait, what did you but, say earlier about brown nosing? I can't remember. <laughs> Okay, um, let's talk about some some tips for uh, those of you that are either in school or have kids in school and you want to help them get better grades because it's one thing to talk about the importance of grades. Um, and I think that's it's good to understand, have a baseline understanding of what grades are and what they aren't, why they're important and why they are not the end all be all. Okay, great. But in the reality that most of us face, they're an important thing. So let's talk about how we can improve them. Uh, so I've got my top 10 tips, Tim, and you can chime in on any of these. You can uh, add or well, you actually can't remove because they're mine, but um, strike that from the record. <laughs> but let, let's get started here. So number one is study better, study more efficiently. And um, and that is look, I've done it. Everyone's done it. Cramming for a test. It's a thing. It's not always necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't it doesn't set you up for future success. And that's when you're in school, you have to be thinking about future success unless you're about to graduate college. Case, who cares, right? In just case, cram and, just cram turn and do that. Podcast now. No longer. <laughs> Why are you even listening to this? <laughs> um, no, but think about how you're going to set yourself up for future success. Um, the more that you, the the better that you study, and so what does that mean? That means not just an amount of time, but a, a methodology behind it. So, are you actually giving some type of mental scaffolding to the material that you're getting, as opposed to trying to memorize rote facts? You know, are are you trying to uh, get the answers for the tests? Or are you trying to understand the questions in the test? Um, because as you study the material instead of study for the test, you're going to give yourself a better chance of retaining that information and therefore being able to use it in future classes that will then also give you a better grade in those classes. So understanding the material is important. Um, and so studying with an efficient methodology. So for me, what that means, I guess, uh, concretely, because this is learner from a layman and uh, talking fluffy study better is come on. Um, it literally means put put um, put everything in context. So if I'm in in a history class, I don't just want to memorize the name of the presidents. I want to know what was happening during their administration. Like what what interesting thing was happening? What what thing can I latch on to? Put some so put some meat on those bones. Um, if I'm in, in math, you're not, you're not just memorizing a list. You're memorizing. You're learning the stories, right? You're right. 
Okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, in math, I'm not just memorizing, you know, my, the the algebraic, exp uh, you know, equation. I'm I'm trying to understand what the elements of that equation mean and why they're significant, um, and and what they mean in the real world, right? So if I'm learning the slope uh, line slope formula or whatever, what what does that look like? What is you know, can I draw me a line, point at to me what what that equation? Where it where it is on the graph and and, uh, and and be able to map things out in your head so that when you're trying to solve a math problem, it isn't just letters and numbers that are just meaningless. It's like, oh, this is actually, you know, this a derivative actually has a real world meaning. It isn't just this weird symbol. So um, uh, anything about that, Tim, before I move on to number two? Yeah, and I'm going to hold off on a couple of things because I think you'll probably touch on them, but I'll just give an example from my class because it I think you really have hit on something study better. Uh, I'll have this happen with my students all the time where they come in, they're struggling and they say, yeah, I'm spending all this time studying. But uh, I find a lot of times with my students when they're studying, they just got their notebook open. They're looking at their notes and they're just kind of glossing over it and reading through it. But they're not really, uh, you know, imagine I always make a weightlifting comparison. You know, imagine if a, a football player goes in, yeah, coach, I'm working out, but I'm not getting stronger. And coach watches him, you know, lift weights and he, there are no plates on the bar and he's just lifting the bar. You know, yeah, you're going through the motions, but you're not really challenging yourself. When you study, you should be challenging your mind. Um, so there are ways that I have my students do this. I'll, I'll speak to my topic, but I think it can be generalized to a lot of things. We give, you know, Spanish ones, so they're getting tons of new vocabulary. I'll have them write their notes in columns, you know, Spanish on the left, English on the right. But rather than having them just review their notes and look at them, I tell them you're going to get out a note card or some square-edge piece of paper. You're going to cover one side so that you can only see one column. And then you're going to go down and you're going to check each item, see if you know it, make your brain you know, express it. If you can't do it, if you don't know it, then you're going to highlight that item. So you go through and so you're doing two things. One, you're making your brain really work. And two, you're, you're sifting. Um, you're, because your first go through will not be your last. After you've gone through it once, you now have marked the ones that you really need to study. And so as it turns out, you probably didn't need to be glossing over that whole page anyways, maybe just these 10 items. And so what you're going to do now in the, in the vein of study smarter is you're not going to be going through that list anymore. Now you're going to make flashcards for those 10 items that you struggled with. And then you're going to study just those specifically. Um, and, and now, of course, we haven't even gone to going the other direction where it's like, for example, maybe I can recognize the Spanish word. But if I cover the Spanish word and see what it is in English, can I produce it in English? That's a different skill set. And so I'm going to flip and make myself go through the other way. But the point is I'm tenaciously challenging myself with the, with the content and I am filtering down and, and I make the continuous filtering process. So as I work through those 10 flashcards, as I get them down, maybe I, I get to where I've got three of them really mastered. Um, I eventually filter those out and now I'm just working with the seven that I'm struggling with. So, and I'm doing this, in uh, in a way that I'm over time narrowing my focus as I master more material and I'm thus I'm not wasting as much time glossing over stuff that I really don't need to study as much and if I study smart I can really uh, condense the, the power of my of my study and then I do it again I take a half hour breather and then I come back and I hit all that again that repetition 
constant repetition is what really, you, you know, there's the myelination of your neurons or whatever, this process that goes on in your brain that reinforces that knowledge. But the bottom line is you're making it stick. You're helping yourself to remember it. Um, and oh, sorry. One more thing. Bite sized pieces. If you have 50 items that you can't that you really don't know, work on five at a time and say, OK, I'm just going to work till I've mastered these five items here. Then I'll move on to the next five. You know, students will go through and they'll just take this huge chunk of stuff that they have no idea about and just go over it again and again. And it's just too much for the brain to process. Take it in bite sized pieces. OK, good, good, nice. Um, all right. Number two, um, this one. Uh, number two is participate in class. Um, despite what I know many of us think, usually teachers have a reason for the things that they're doing in class. <laughs> um, and so participating in class gets you um, involved and prepared generally better for tests and, and a better grade. Um, so I, and this is more than just attending class. I'm assuming that if you're listening to a class and getting or a podcast on getting better grades or grading, probably attending class. Um, if you're not, do that first. But I don't just mean attending class. I mean participating in class. So when there are questions, when there when there is the opportunity to ask questions, do that. When when there are activities in class, do that. Like make it an interactive experience in class. Don't just passively sit there and assume that the teacher can shove information into your head. Um, but you know take an active role in it, not just during study time, but during class time as well. And I'm going to address the electric elephant in the room. Studies have shown that being on a device during learning time diminishes your capacity to learn. So dun, if dun, you, dun. yeah, yeah. Oh. so if you, and again, it, it depends on what your goals are. If you really don't care about the class and don't care how you're doing it, all right, go ahead and be, you know, tick tocking through your class, whatever. <laughs> Actually, I didn't say that that's okay. Don't because do that. I don't want don't any do of my students to be doing that in my class. <laughs> so don't do that. But right. um, if you really want to learn, yeah, undivided attention. And this is, I think, one of the great challenges of our generation is learning how to live a quality life with, with the proximity of devices. And it's really hard. Um, so make the tough choice. Push the device away. Turn it off. Put it in your bag. And be fully engaged with what you're doing. You'll get a better outcome. Yeah, for sure. Okay, number three, prioritize. Prioritize, uh, the way I'm talking about it, I mean prioritize things that matter in the class. Um, there will be things that your teacher assigns to you that are less important than other things. And if you spend an inordinate amount of time on things that are trivial, you will negatively affect your grade. And so you need to recognize things that are important for your learning and your, uh, your, your grade prospects versus things that are, you know, uh, nice to have additional information, whatever, for whatever reason that the teacher has assigned something or giving you, I mean, heavens, uh, some teachers might give busy work. <gasps> um, Never. <Yeah. laughs> 
So recognize what is important in the class. Is it uh, the study guide, you know, and, and the in-class assignments are, are just fluff. You know, it, it's being able to recognize patterns and recognize potential future um, effects of, of particular assignments. So let me give you an example. When I was in, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, our teacher, um, and a lot of this, well, actually, I won't, I won't jump to the next one um, yet. Number four, we'll have a little more information on, on what I mean and how you, how you prioritize. But uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, we had an assignment that I knew, and I knew that the teacher knew wasn't super meaningful. <laughs> and I pulled it out of my backpack on the day it was due, and I, I thought I had finished it, to be fair, but I hadn't. It was, I think it was diagramming sentences. And hey, that's, yeah, diagramming sentences, it's a big deal. It's very important. It, hey, you know, it's not, it's not unimportant. I, I, that's what I did most of my college life um, was diagram yeah. sentences, but. So it, it was penance. Uh, that's why you became a <laughs> Right. So I, uh, I pull out this, I, I look in the back, I'm like, oh, HUD, there's like a bunch more that I didn't even do. So what I did was, um, I, I, I very carefully scribbled <laughs> what looked like letters and words, but weren't. Um, and like, I just, I just scribble. I just made it look like I maybe made an attempt. Um, and, and I wanted him to think that maybe he just didn't understand my, uh, my handwriting <laughs> and I turned it in and full credit, full credit. Because it wasn't important, it never had been. So, um, but to see, did you, did you write something? <laughs> I mean, yeah. That and, and once again, there, there's a lot more to take into uh, consideration when you're talking about priorities, and we'll actually talk about a few other the other things that you have to take into consideration when you're prioritizing. Um, meaning things like uh, who the teacher is and what they value. But um, yeah, that's number three. And and Number, I'm going to go oh. ahead and, and insert right now, and sorry if I'm stealing thunder of one of your steps, but I imagine that your the trust relationship and the investment that you had made in your relationship with that teacher in the past probably came to your aid in in that case. Tim, don't jump my numbers here, all right? Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Pretend like I said nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing of the, that's not important. All right, number four. <laughs> Uh, do your oh, wait, research. Wait, wait. Uh, sorry, I, I wanted to say something about prioritizing. Just oh, okay. So Two. again, grades are important and that's important. But if you are the main character of a rom-com and you're sitting down to take a final exam and that special someone is boarding a plane to the other side of the world, then for goodness sakes, throw down your test, burst dramatically out the door, zoom to the airport and catch them before they go. Okay, that's that's more important. There you go. Yes, there are, I guess prioritize could also mean there are things more important than grades. Um, all right, number four, do your research. And uh, in this case, uh, a couple cases what I'm thinking about. So the syllabus, take the syllabus and make sure you understand it. Um, and for those of you that don't know what a syllabus is, that's that piece of paper they hand you on the first day of class or maybe now it's not even a piece of paper anymore. I'm showing how old I am. Mm -hmm. That's 
the link that they sent you on the first day of class that shows um, what you're expected to learn and do and how you will be graded over the course of the semester. It is um, not the large vehicle with all the clowns in it. <laughs> or is it? That's the, the silly, silly bus. bus. Right, close. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, so look at that syllabus. Make sure you understand it. And once again, that will help you with that priori pri prioritization, right? If you understand that, oh yeah, like in this class, exams are only 5% of the grade. So who cares? Um, but if but, projects are 40% of the grade, then do a good then, job. Exactly. Um, so lean into the syllabus. Uh, do your research with former students if you're going to sign up for a class. Maybe you have a friend or a family member or a neighbor that took that class before. Always take people's uh, advice and information about classes with the appropriate uh, perspective and grain of salt that unless you know this person really well, maybe you don't both see teachers in the same way or course material in the same way so if they say oh yeah the teacher's the worst i hated her and it was so stupid and every and then and you still take the class and you actually end up being your favorite teacher in your favorite class know that there's a variability there but the thing that you should be asking former students is not necessarily whether or not they loved the teacher hated the teacher or anything like that it's what 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 uh, assignments were hard what what matter like what tests are hard uh, what what's the most uh, you know difficult part of the class so that you know okay if they say oh there was a midterm project that was super difficult um you know i didn't get i wasn't prepared for it that you know okay i need to prepare myself ahead of time for this midterm project um, and so that's an important part of, of doing your research and then re research into the type of testing that's done in that class as well. Some tests, some classes are like, especially in college, are like uh, exam only uh, grading. So uh, I know I had one of those tests or one, a couple of those classes, I think, in college where there wasn't there weren't assignment grades. Everything came from the tests. And so if you are a bad test taker and you know that uh, maybe you don't sign up for that class if you can help it and if you do you go in with a full plan to make sure that you were ready for each one of those tests um, so uh, that's number four do your research then um here here <laughs> okay good five here we go Create, now this is the one that you jumped the gun on, Tim. Number five is create teacher or professor buy-in, meaning buy-in to you. Uh, if you can create teacher interest or professor interest in you and in the, uh, the job that you're doing in that class, you are going to do so much better. That here's the here's the anecdote I have, and this one is me and Tim. Tim and I took, went to college together, and we took um, I think a few classes together, Tim. But yeah. one specifically was quite challenging. I was our um, uh, honors history class. Oh, um, I remember that class. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. It was um, a good time. So I'm 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 moving along at, at a nice B rate, and I'm I'm working really hard. I'm working really hard, and it's. This is a super hard class, and especially for me. The professor and Tim's was doing, fun. but he was this like 
quintessential history professor. He yeah. was like really young, but he was yes. already just like full history professor, like kind right. of geeky, super <laughs> nice, like skinny. Um, anyways. Yeah. 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 I think he had just graduated like Princeton or something like that. Probably. And and he thought that everyone was going to be as interested in history as he was. <laughs> no, not true. And as, as brilliant as he was. <laughs> right. That too. Um, and I think he also overestimated the amount of time that he could spend on the final. But oh my um, word. <laughs> that final was epic. Was, um, yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to talk about the, that some other time. The only final which I think legitimately you should get like PE credit for because it's such a workout <laughs> on your hand. On that it point. was a marathon. It was wild. Okay. Anyway, um, in this class, I'm kicking along at like a B and um, we had a couple essays and I don't remember what all we were doing. And then we hit the midterm and the midterm was also super hard. And um, Tim was doing better than I was. I don't remember if you had an A or an A minus Tim, but you're, you're doing pretty well in the class. You hit the midterm. I think you did better also did better in the midterm, but I think it was also hard for pretty much everyone. And so you last time I did better than you at anything. <laughs> My how the turntables of. Yeah, the um, tables have turned. <laughs> That's up there with my measurable things that are measures that are well, measurable. I was quoting the office. So. Oh, ah, dang it. All right. <laughs> um, okay. The um, So after the midterm, Tim suggests that we together go see the professor. Um, and from our visit, I am pretty sure we were the one and only likely like we were the only students who have ever visited him in his life. Um, he oh, was and so can excited. I just say this building, it was this ramshackle, like <laughs> really crazy yeah. building. You had to like navigate these halls. And it was like most buildings that had grown together organically. It's really, yeah. it's just like what you figure kind of like a labyrinth, uh, old yeah. asbestos ridden, you know, really interesting <laughs> building. I think they've knocked it down since, but um, I think so too. It was on the edge of campus. You didn't feel entirely safe. Um, yeah, so we went in to see him, and he was so excited. He was so excited. And um, we talked a little bit about the, the midterm. I don't remember anything about that. And candidly, I don't remember gaining anything specific out of the experience as far as, like, academic ability or preparedness for his class. What we did do was uh, we engaged in conversation with him. Um, and suddenly, uh, my grades started getting better. <laughs> and... Some of it, I probably have to thank to Tim. Honestly, Tim was like reviewing my essays, which was helpful. Um, <laughs> but the final, I go into the final with at best a B plus, and um, the final was a big percentage of our grade. And I felt super well prepared for the final. But it was, as we mentioned, it was a marathon, and really crazy long. I mean, insane. I think four insane. hours of essay writing. Not joking. Yeah. Four hours yeah, straight. Yeah. Yeah. It was sitting there. Crazy. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> And I come out of the class with an A, like not an A minus, an A. And I, I, I too today, I, I certainly credit the fact that we went and talked to him um, because I'm pretty sure that that's what did it. And uh, so this is, and that uh, story I shared earlier about my, my sophomore English teacher that, uh, that gave me full credit for scribbles. Also, yes, teacher buy-in. Um, he liked me from the first day because I, I am that guy. Uh, I don't love being the brown noser that that's always like a yes man or whatever, but I am, so, 
I am so invested in my grades that I will do and say what I must. Um, Carl, someday I want to have you as a student so I can experience this for myself. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> shameless pandering. Um, so, uh, then, yeah. Well, Sorry, and, and let me let me send off on this from the teacher's perspective. And also, I want to speak in Carl's defense here. Uh, having witnessed him as a student, he, he jokes about that. But, uh, you know, shameless pandering is is a, um, you know, I think a bit of sarcasm there. Carl <laughs> cares deeply about his education and about doing good and doing well and doing right. And and so he, he's not afraid to to he's not going to hide that from his professors and he's not going to he's going to you know, lead with that. And that is my advice to all of you. And um, when you approach a teacher, um, brown nosing a teacher, you know, like legitimate brown nosing is not going to get you very far because teachers, you know, for the most part, we're not dumb. And we have <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of students come through. So we, we learn to to smell out authenticity, authenticity. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. all, all humans, we, we can pretty well. But um, your your goal is not to, um, you know, to uh, butter up the teacher because the teacher the teacher doesn't need that from you and the teacher doesn't want that from you. I don't really I joke about with my students, but I don't really care that much whether they think I'm funny or, or that kind of thing. I, I hope they enjoy my class. But what I care more about and what I'm there for is for them to have a good learning experience and to get the most they can out of the content and out of my class. So when you want to build a relationship with your teacher, the way you're going to do that best is by showing the teacher that you too legitimately care about the project that you're working on together, your education and your learning in that content. So if you show the teacher that you are putting in time studying, that you are thoughtfully reflecting on their um, their feedback, that you are, you know, working hard to prepare for upcoming tests and quizzes, um, then that you, you're going to begin to glow in their eyes. Um, and, and the students who don't show those things, who ask sloppy questions that they would have known if they had been paying attention, who um, aren't paying attention to the feedback uh, and aren't completing assignments and those kinds of things. Uh, teachers begin to see that and and it just the in your esti in their estimation, you are not committed to the project and, and therefore their their relationship with you is strained when you go with need, like can I have some extra time for this project or whatever? Uh, don't expect anything out of that bank account because it's uh, the investment was never made to begin with and it's bankrupt. But if you've been investing all along by showing your teacher that you care, uh, showing up to office hours with thoughtful questions, um, following up on things that they've said before, uh, and, and again showing true investment, <clears throat> Then when when the time comes that you need to make a withdrawal from that investment um, from that account, hey, uh, I, I'm sitting right at an eighty nine point four. You know, is mm -hmm. there anything I can do? You know, uh, then that teacher is going to say, you know what, this kid really cares about my class. This kid has really been trying. Um, I, I can give him an extra chance, and that's reasonable. Uh, keep in mind, this isn't. Um, this isn't like some crass uh, politics game. People who fail at it will characterize it that way. And undoubtedly, there are teachers out there who do play the politics game. They're, they're just looking, you know, to 
for gratification or whatever. But the large majority of teachers, it, it's not that we we care and are committed to our craft and our, and the project that we're involved in. But all human interactions are socially mediated, and so when you um, when you invest authentically in these social in the relationships that are a key part of your under educational experience, then those relationships will stay strong and a strong relationship gets you through hard times. A weak one does not. Right. Well said. Yeah. So sincerity does matter. So creating teacher buy-in is more than just brown nosing. It is uh, legitimately caring about the subject that the teacher obviously is spending a lot of time preparing for you. So you let them see that you care, then they will care uh, back. Um, the downside about that is you have to care about some classes that you'd really rather not care about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. <laughs> okay, let me hit these last five really quick, and then you can uh, add anything you want to this, Tim. But this is, um, let me just fire through these. We're getting through the near the end of the podcast. So uh, number six, additional information. So get any additional information. So that's a little bit different than research, but related. What I'm talking about here is additional information on how you can improve your overall grade point average or, um, you know, what what other than coursework can affect your overall academic standing. So, uh, for example, this wasn't the case in my high school, but in my kids high school, uh, AP classes give you additional GPA points. Um, uh, AP, for those that aren't familiar, that's a, advanced placement classes. I know we have, once again, international listeners and grading scores and classes are all different. But the general idea behind grades hopefully carries across international uh, boundaries. So, um, but the idea, the idea that AP classes, uh, advanced pl placement classes, can help you with your grades, even though they sound harder. Um, is that true? Not? Go find, go find out. Um, and then, you know, those types of, like uh, if you have a learning disability, get more information on what provisions are made for that learning disability. Can you have more time on a test? Can you have a tutor Can in class or, you know, find out your structure, what information is available for you um, in that way? That's the additional information I'm talking about there. Number seven, uh, identify bad teachers quickly and switch classes. Uh, <laughs> I know that's not always possible, especially not in middle school, very rarely in high school, but it is possible in college. But even if you can't do that last part about switching classes, identifying and not and by bad teachers, I don't always just mean like they're bad at teaching. They just might not be good for you, um, as in they like to lecture and you are a hands on learner. And, and in some cases, I think you tell me how you're going to be a hands on history teacher. Come on. Um, <laughs> some of that's just... excellent adventure. Anyway. <laughs> right. Um, but but do identify uh, teachers that and how do you identify Let me let me give an example near the beginning of uh, right at the beginning of class. So the day that they hand out the syllabus immediately look to see, you know, when can I expect to get my assignments back? If the teacher does not know when you're going to get your assignments back. Like you're going to turn in an essay and they're like, oh, I'll give it back some point. Red flag, L lots of red flags. Um, you need to know when you can get the feedback on your assignments so that you can improve the in the way that the teacher wants to see you improve. This uh, quickly story about this. I was in a philosophy class in college 
uh, that I thought I, I was doing okay. Class? Yeah, you knew this one too. Tim, Tim and I did not go to this class together, but we did have a strategy to um, punish the <laughs> teacher after this class. Um, didn't go well, as you can imagine. Okay, anyway, um, I, I, in this class, I remember on the first day of class, his w line was, um, you know, the average grade in this class will be a B. It doesn't matter what you do. I, sh I mean, so many red flags should have gone up right there. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. Well, what am I doing here then? Um, and and in that class, that professor, had, we uh, for philosophy, I think we had seven essays that semester that we had to turn in. We got one of them, one, back before the last week of class. Um, meaning we had no idea how he graded. We had no idea what was important to him. Uh, he was honestly and uh, the, the worst teacher I've ever had. And I could have identified that sooner and transferred, transferred to a different class. I did not, and therefore I suffered the consequences. Um, so they, you, the teacher should be able to lay out for you, and, and it could be a lot of work. Some te good teachers can very lay out very rigid courses and very, very uh, exacting standards, but they should be laid out pretty clearly, and the feedback mechanism to achieve the goal that you want if you work hard should be there. Um, and if it's not, that's not the student's fault, that's the teacher's fault. So try to find that out quickly enough that you're able to say, okay, this this isn't working for me, and it's not me, it's you. Uh, <laughs> and and it's, anyway, that's identify bad teachers, and if you can't switch out of their classes, I'd recommend very early getting in their ear, be the squeaky wheel, say, I need that essay back, I need that essay back, I need that assignment back, I need to understand what's going on here. And, and, you, and you phrase that not by saying, I need that back, you know, but by saying, hey, I, I it's really important to me to, um, right. okay. to build on your feedback. Could I please uh, come sit down with you and just get some tips for you for, for the next one? So maybe he's not sure. gonna grade them all and give them back but it, yeah if you're that squeaky wheel and if you're approaching it in a you know humble way um you you can say well he'll say oh well i i you know i can i can pull yours out and let me give you some tips and and then sure. you can get that feedback even though he's um and and carl i ran into him uh you know just a few years ago and he told me he said you know i wish carl had realized that that whole thing was a philosophical experience for him to learn from uh-huh we had a plan. We had a plan, Tim. We never executed that plan. That's right. Um, well, it's probably probably for the best that we have. For the for the listeners, though, there was dancing and kicking involved. So, um, I'll let you use your imagination. Also philosophical, very philosophical. <laughs> okay. Um, number eight, uh, set achievable goals. Um, if you are a D student, setting a goal of an A. It might not be realistic. I mean, you might have just fallen really far behind. Set a goal to get a B, you know, set, set a goal to um, improve for the rest of the semester it, um, or, or to start the next semester out better. Um, set goals that, that are meaningful but are achievable and, and uh, saying, I'm going to only get the best grades all the time. Well, if you haven't practiced that so far, probably not immediately gonna happen. It's a process. Um, and it's there are steps involved. So set achievable goals and 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 get them, uh, reach them, and then and then set more goals. So set those achievable goals as far as grades are concerned. And believe that you can. You can. It it may take time, but don't right. give up on yourself. There's always a path forward. Correct. 
Um, okay, number nine, don't stress unnecessarily. <laughs> there are times where a certain amount of stress is probably a good motivation. Um, but if you are constantly stressed about grades, you probably have the wrong view of them. Um, you're probably putting unnecessary pressure on yourself and, uh, and it's not good for you. Just don't do it. Nobody needs that amount of cortisol in their life. Don't do it. Um, stress only enough that, that you are achieving, that you're pushing yourself. You're, you're becoming smarter. You're, you're educating yourself stress in the ways that are going to challenge yourself and not discourage yourself and not uh, make yourself more likely to fail. You want the kind of stress that motivates, not demotivates. Okay, and number 10, get help. Um, you are not an island unto yourself and your grades should uh, be a team effort. <laughs> um, and I don't mean copying or cheating or using AI. Uh, what I mean is when Tim and I, like I said in that class, that super difficult uh, honors history class that we were in, I was submitting my essays and I was getting the appropriate grade. I had a good teacher, but he was super difficult and my, my writing was mediocre. Um, Tim was a better writer than I was. Um, notice I said was. Um, <laughs> hey, essay off right now. <laughs> name the prompt. And so what? I'll take you. <laughs> and so uh, what happened was I would uh, write the essay and then Tim would look at it. And I honestly don't even remember whose idea this was. It may have been Tim's idea. Um, just so we're clear, though, Tim does owe me because I also <laughs> uh, I saved Tim from failing a class. Uh, that's that's a good point. Yes. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the whole Tim sleeps through multiple alarms and then falls asleep while sitting in bed. All right, um, OK. Yeah, uh, the, the angel on my shoulder <laughs> screaming at me, wake up. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. OK, um, so get get help. Parents, siblings, cousins, roommates, um, tutors, study hour, whatever it is. Make it. Uh, a group effort, the, 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 the grades that you are getting, if they're not measuring up to what you want, you don't have to do the lift by yourself. Um, you know, many hands makes light, make light work. Um, right. Okay. But that, those are my top 10, uh, tips for getting better grades and, uh, Tim, final words in the podcast. Um, just, just know that we, we speak from experience. Carl's already shared some, I, I remember, um, bombing a math class. I was just struggling in and I did like, just like Carl said, I actually found a couple of buddies in my, in that class who were also failing and we, we would study together every day and I would drastically turn things around. Um, if that, if you don't pull that off in a class, know that you can pull it off in a, uh, you know, on a longer term, but uh, yeah, I just like to always encourage people because you see kids give up um, because it's hard. If uh, if you're someone who's in that boat, um, just stay the course. The grades will grades will go. Um, the the race goes to those who stick with it, not to those who 
necessarily have the uh, the shiniest metal. So, yeah. So final final word is is you might not be the most the 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 smartest kid at school, and that's fine. You don't need to be. Um, your grades don't have to be perfect, but if you are not putting effort into your classes, that's where the real issue is. That's why where we started off the podcast by talking about grades are a predictor of life success. That's because it isn't just about intellect and it, you don't view it that way. You don't have to be the smartest kid. And if you are the smartest kid, that doesn't mean you're always going to succeed. Um, put the effort in you, you can make the effort in life that you need to, and you're going to find a lot more success. So don't get discouraged. If you're getting a D, try to get a C, you know, make that effort. And, uh, and that's why you don't get discouraged. It's not because, oh, I'm doing great. You don't have to do great to feel some amount of success and achievement by just doing better than you were doing. Um, and so that's the final piece of advice I have is just, you know, all of that science that we talked about to begin with, it, it matters. And so show that it matters by efforting um, and don't get discouraged by a lack of ability um, because look, I'm, I'm, you're listening to me right now. Uh, that shows you what's up, what's possible. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Tim. Good podcast. We'll be back again soon uh, before the new year with, I think um, we'll do one more podcast about, um, I think we're going to talk about habits and then we're going to start adding more, more, um, uh, more guest podcasts as well. We're going to talk a few, about a few more math and science subjects again. So join us next podcast um, for all of our listeners in Tasmania. Thank you.